Show. My name's Jeff Tribbany and this is my show. Joining me today is Mr. John Dinsdale of uh, Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm not bad. This was one of the easier sort of times you've sent me a New Japan assignment, I must admit. <laughs> yes, this was, we're, we're not going through the quag mire as much today. There is still plenty of quag and indeed mire. We'll get to that later in the show. Today it was the uh, 23rd. I'm just trying to do the maths. It was the this week was the 28th anniversary of the first pro wrestling Dontaku, which traditionally is held in Fukuoka, originally the Fukuoka Convention Center, where they used to have massive crowds back in the 80s. It was their second biggest show of the year, and the first show was headlined by Kiyaji Muto versus Hulk Hogan in a pro, which was set up with a promo where Hulk Hogan said. The WWF Heavyweight Championship is merely a stepping stone to the IWGP Championship. And the only reason why I've competed in the WWE is to get my way to New Japan's biggest prize. Interestingly enough, he told the guys in the WWE office that it was badly translated and he didn't mean it, despite the fact he said it in English. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> which will tell you. The Fukuoka has an interesting history when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. This time we're at the convention center. Sorry, used back in the day, it used to be at the uh, used to be in the Fukuoka Arena, which was a thirteen thousand seater. This one, uh, not going to get anywhere near that now, um, and certainly not with COVID. Uh, but it was a two night affair at the convention center. They do go to this building a lot. They have a lot of the G One Climax shows there, um, and it's quite a good building for wrestling. Uh, the fans are always pretty hot for the show, and it's uh, it was a fun couple of nights of action with some draining things at the end, which we will probably talk about. Um, but we kicked off with a Bullet Club versus Chaos slash Regular Army kind of doohickey. Uh, it was a kind of fun opening match. Dick Togo, Evil, Teji Ishimori, Nujiro Takahashi defeated Hiroshi Tenzan, Master Wato, Raisuke Taguchi, and Toru Yano in 9 minutes and 57 seconds. Tiger the- Oh, sorry, Tiger Mask. Did I say what? Who did I say? Taguchi. That's because it says it here on the. I'm reading the wrong one, aren't I? Am I reading the wrong one? No, I'm reading the right one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cage Match got it wrong. It said Rasuki Taguchi. So they put Tiger Mask somewhere else on this show. <laughs> yeah, I just used the New Japan results page. It's, it's um, easier. I'm reading the Cage Match page because it puts other bits of information that's useful on it as well. So. Uh, but yeah, so it wasn't in fact Raisuki Taguchi, it was in fact Tiger Mask 4. Um, this was alright, kind of sets the story further. The never-ending feud between Evil and Toriano, which will be never and indeed ending. And um, of course it moves on, Yujiro Takahashi, sorry not Yujiro Takahashi, Taiji Ishimori and Master Wato. Um, yes, <laughs> a feud we didn't know we needed, apparently. I'm not sure we did. Um, but yeah, I, I believe they're having a battle of fringes. Your thoughts, John? Well, this this was fine. It was your sort of standard opening match, sort of chaosy tag match. And Wato didn't mess anything up, which no. is a rarity for Wato. 
No, he has grown in stature and confidence over this tour. I must admit, he he's looking crisper and he's looking tighter, and I think a lot of the nerves have gone away. Um, I, I it's still the air cut though. Just yeah. just sort that out, lads. Will you like, please? Sadly, for anyone who loves hearing me sort of rant about him, it's not going to happen this time because he didn't really do anything re- worth ranting over. <laughs> there there is. He was fairly just standard wrestler of the two shows I watched. There, there is a, a growing fan base for Master Wato. Um, I, I would like to point out um, that 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 maybe booking our our slight distaste of the young man. <laughs> Christy's one of them for a start. She told me off of being rude when I made jokes about Master Wato this week. <laughs> So, um, oh, let's hope she never hears my rant about how crappy you used to be. I, I think she has. She doesn't hate you. You're allowed to have your own opinion. This, this is a democratic world. Um, but yeah, it is, I mean, it's all right. Nothing particularly to write home about. Dick Togo still looks better than half the people on this roster, and he's like 50. Um, never ceases to amaze. Watching Dick Togo, I could watch, sit and watch Dick Togo wrestle a broomstick for the next three years and be well happy. Um, but yeah, everything was great. I'm watching it as we speak now. Wato has just got into the ring. He has kind of toned down the blue and is going with a more black emo boy look. But it's still very 2008. I wonder when they're going to like license the rights to My Chemical Romance for him to come out to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remind you of an MCR story this week. Would you like to hear my MCR story? Sure. Okay, so oh, I was about around about that time, around about to mid-2000s. I went to see Less Than Jake, and then they were playing at the Ice Arena, which is really weird because they normally played Rock City. Anyway, they opened the show, and they played the first couple of songs, and then they go on the microphone and said, right, well, um, here's the thing. Uh, we, we, used, we, we wanted to play Rock City because we like Rock City. It's Ace. And then uh, My Chemical Romance booked it, and we talked to their management team and said, Hey, can can we play Rock City? And we know we know you've booked it already, but would you mind swapping dates and we'll we'll swap somewhere else with you? And they said, No, we would like to play Rock City, but you can support us if you want to. And they went, Okay, fine, that's fine. No, we're not going to play support to you. Uh, as a result of that, My Chemical Romance played to two thousand people at Rock City, and Less Than Jake played to four thousand people at the Ice Arena. <laughs> <laughs> which will make you understand that perhaps you are not as good as you think you are. <laughs> See, now that I'm just kind of enjoying the mental image of Master Wato getting a Wrestle Kingdom match, he comes out and it's and we just hear, when I was a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he just comes out with an army of skeletons. Uh, that will any... be the time when I finally like Master Wato. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my chemical dude, uh, is that what you need? Master Wato needs an emo phase. <laughs> he's having an emo. He is an emo phase. Anyway. Yeah, um, but he's not leaning heavily enough into it. We we need full on parody at this point. Oh no, he's gone emo. You know that song? Uh, is that the Lancashire Hot Pots one? There you go. That is the last song. Yeah. Um. But yes. Um. Yeah, it was all right. And yeah, it kind of like puts the idea of Wato and um. Ishimori in, in play, which would be good for Wato because he needs desperately to show some depth. 
and Toriano and uh, uh, Evil still banging in. Didn't we have this and dance? Yes, several times. And it would carry on the next day as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anywho, let us move on to the second match of the evening, which involved a Chaos versus Suzuki Goon. Um, Pier Sixer, really. Unfortunately, there was a bunch of stuff that happened in this match which will affect New Japan Pro Wrestling for possibly the next two months, which we'll get to at the end, and it's not funny either. I shouldn't be laughing. Uh, your IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions show and Yo tagged with Kazuchika Okada, the Rainmaker, to go up against Suzuki Goon, the former Tag Team Champions, El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinubi Kanemori. Kanemori in a... Kanemori, even... 10 minutes and 31 seconds of a pretty classy match which sets into place the idea of Yo challenging Desperado for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And yeah, this was interesting as like Desperado is kind of like the highest ranked guy in Suzuki Gun at the moment. And, <laughs> and Yo is the highest ranked guy in Chaos. <laughs> and now these two teams. Like, I do like the idea of Akada going, calm down, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, mate. Yeah, I, I, I sort of <laughs> noticed that. It's like, you're trying to push in front of Arcata, and I'm just thinking, a year ago, that would have been absurd. Now, yeah. welcome to Bizarro World. But Yo has kind of come back dead serious after his injury. He doesn't walk him out, want to muck about anymore. He's wasted enough time, so go to the front of the queue. Why wait? And to be fair, uh, Desperado is a new champion, needs new challenges. And Honestly, as much as I love show, I've seen him challenged several times for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and he hasn't got the job done. So it makes sense for Yo to have a go for a while. I don't think Yo's the best bet of the two. I do think show has the more charisma, the body, and the moves. That's not to say I don't think Yo is great. He's fantastic. However, I think show probably edges it on... If you, were, if you were picking an ace for a Japanese wrestling company, you'd go with show, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. Um, I should the appeal t- to all those gamers. Yes. Um, not that I think Yo could do the job just as well. But the the point being is, give Yo his chance. He's not going to take the title off Despy, is he? And he gets some main event experience time, and you go from there. And I think that's kind of cool. What's your thoughts on this? I hope nobody takes the title off Despy. To be honest, like Despy deserves this. But yeah, match itself was pretty damn cool. To be fair, anytime Suzuki gets in the ring these days, he seems to just elevate whatever match he's in. Yes, so trying thing... to do a Kazuchika Ricarda for the umpteenth time in the last five years. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mind watching Okada and Suzuki fight because they always bring it. And then everyone else was kind of there to do their bit. Sadly, Kanemaru has just be, kind of become the pins guy. He's the Bushi of Suzuki Gun. It's kind of sad. I think the former, well, how many times he won the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship? Like, how many of them? Six? Um, in fact, it was, it's 17 years since he lost that or won that title for the sixth time. So, you know, he's, he's of some bizarre milestone that happened yesterday. There was lots of in this today in wrestling stuff this week that stuck in my head. Um, but Kanemaru is kind of like he's got no fit at the minute. He's a great tag wrestler and he's a great junior heavyweight, so that makes him a great junior heavyweight tag wrestler. He's perfect for the job he's in. But is this a way to treat a legend, really? 
But and again, you haven't got room for him, have you? So you can't. Considering just... he was the linchpin for a junior division for the longest time, it's it just feels a bit odd, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, he's the thing is as well, he's worked everywhere. He was an AJPW guy, he was a Noah guy, he went back to AJPW, then he went back to Noah, and now he's a New Japan guy. And he's kind of got all of that lineage and he's he's a top level pro, but he's done everything in the other on the other hand, he's done everything he possibly could do. There's nothing left for him to do in junior heavyweight wrestling, in tag wrestling, or in singles wrestling. And you're not gonna put the IWGP heavyweight championship on him anytime soon, because he's not cooking on all cylinders really is he he's not bad he's a great wrestler but he's not this isn't 2002 Kanemaru is it no this is true he's kind of just there to relax at this point and then put on the occasional belter of a tournament match or a tag title match yeah he will turn on the gas when he needs to but um, at the minute he's not got a lot to play with uh, show trying to throw arms at Suzuki. Suzuki being offended by it is hilarious. <laughs> Just smiling at him. Hey, try again. Go on, go on. Have another go. Go on. No, 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 go on. Have another go. Hey, no, no, you're really not hurting me at all. <laughs> and then kicking him in the face because he's Minoru Suzuki and he hates everyone. Uh, shall we move on? Sorry, power drill. Just fun fact for anyone listening, there is construction going on underneath me, so I'm occasionally playing tap the mute button with my mic. I will try and cut out as many big gaps as we possibly can. Um so where was we? Should we move on to the next match? Uh we should probably talk about the what happened because of this match. Yes, yes. Uh, unfortunately, and unbeknownst to the people in this match, somebody had COVID-19, uh, and as a result of that, all six, including the referee, because seven names were listed, and the referee was Mai Yasami, I think? No, yes. Um, the All seven names were in close contact. Obviously, it's a wrestling match. And as a result of that, um, they've all been tested positive for covid they all have light symptoms or asymptomatic or are asymptomatic, but they are all, all tested positive, and we hope they're all okay, and we hope they're all fine. Um, Hiroki Goto posted this morning his response, which in English was Jesus Christ. Um, so hopefully they're all okay, and hopefully they come to entertain us another day, and they're fit and well. But as you can imagine, two main events for the Wrestling Grand Slam and the next Tokyo Dome show which involve Kazuchi Okada and Yo and Desperado, are suddenly on hold. Not that they could do them anyway, because lots of the prefectures in Japan have announced tighter restrictions, which means they can't go to the Tokyo Dome, and they can't do the Grand Slam series either. They've so, been spawned for now anyway, because of the state of emergency extension. I think yeah. they announced that a couple of days ago, wasn't it? That both of them are just like Grand Slam, and the other one, whose name I've forgotten... Yes, uh, the one at the Dome. <laughs> but yeah, they've just both been postponed for now. Um, apparently, someone pointed out that that might be at work. One of the reasons why Billy Shitmates has got uh, the title at the minute was because he was promised a Tokyo Dome main event, and they just threw one in just to keep him satisfied. 
So I thought, well, that's a bit mean, but entirely possible. Um, yeah. So that's where we're at at the minute. We've got no main event for a big title match, and we've got no junior heavyweight title match main event. Not that those shows can go ahead anyway. Uh, we'll also affect a lot of the big shows coming up for TJPW, uh, the Cyber Fight Super Show with Noah DDT and TJPW. Um, and I think there's a Noah AJPW show that affects as well that's quite large too. So this is a bit of a shame, really, because our Budokan's not out of action too. And hopefully it doesn't get to the Best of Super Juniors tournament because that would be a real shame. Um, but we might have to go back to TV wrestling for a while. Which would be kind of interesting because New Japan did it better than most, to be honest. I think I still think DDT did it the best. Hmm. But like, it's going to be interesting because the Olympics are coming up. Like, they can't. They're surely running. won't extend this like state of emergency throughout that as well, will they? They have said, "Come hell or high water, the Olympics is going ahead." But that would mean nobody in the audience, I would assume, and just athletes only. Um, just the same way wrestling has been for the last year, to be honest. Um, but I guess we'll see. I'd like to, I'd like to see canned audience res- response, a la Impact Wrestling, on on the Olympics. That would be ace. <laughs> it it's, it's pretty... a roller coaster over in Japan because for a while it's always it's like better than other countries, and then all of a sudden it takes another dip. It's. Um... It's such a roller coaster for like a data oh. junkie. I was well, I was reading like this morning one of the reasons why they've had more inconsistency, shall we say, is because they have a lot more tests on the viability of vaccines than the North Americans and the Europeans do. So as a result of that, they haven't passed the Moderna one yet. They haven't passed the Pfizer one. No, they passed the Pfizer one. They haven't done the um, Moderna one, and they haven't done the Cambridge Azteca one yet. So because of that, those um, it, there's not as many people inoculated as there are in other countries because they want to make sure that it's tested and safe. They have batches ready to go the moment it has been cleared. For it to go, but it has slowed the inoculation process down, which is obviously given chance for um, the disease to spread. And it's like, you know, if you'd asked us two years ago if we'd be talking about like, you know, pandemics in on a wrestling podcast, <laughs> we'd have thought you were crazy. But this is how these things work. So <laughs> there we are. Shall we move on to the next match? I mean, speaking of Billy shit, mate. Yes. Actually, no. He's got great mates. They're just stuck with a shit heel. Yes. It was a combination of Billy shit belts and Billy shit belt and Billy no mates. Billy shit mate. <laughs> um, uh, someone was cracking jokes that apparently Osprey haters should come up with better jokes this week, better names for him this week. It's like, oh, I've, I've had my own fucking <laughs> issues with Osprey this week. Uh, well, I think we all do eventually. Anyway, let's let us move on. Lij being Ibushi, Sanada, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito defeated the United Empire. Aaron Henry, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb. Mm-hmm. Um, eleven minutes and thirty-one seconds in a perfectly serviceable wrestling match. The most interesting bits for me are Sanada and Toa Henry because I think that's going to be good for Toa Henry, and also Naito and Okan. 
because I think they're good together as a feuding pairing, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I just wish they'd stop bullying Boosh. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, this was a perfectly decent enough match. It's just every time Osprey was in the ring, I sort of felt bored. It's like, how can he sort of take the life out of an eight-man tag match? And he still somehow manages this. He's joyless. Uh, it is not a fun experience watching him wrestle anymore, to be honest. But there you go. It's I, um... it's funny. I don't even think like the reason that I've fallen out of favor with him is just because it's vogue to hate him because he's a bit of a dick. Like he's a dickhead. It's just that ever since he's done this sort of the heel turn, he's literally just trying to be a shit clone of Jay White. Yeah. I, I was saying this to you as I watched it. It's like he's just trying to be a white clone and it's not working because Jay White is a once-in-a-generation type heel who can work the slow, plodding, samey-type style but make it work because he adapts it to an opponent. Osprey is just like, I'm Will Osprey. <laughs> I've got the match type. We've got to fit it. It's like he doesn't work around opponents. Will Osprey works for Will Osprey, and even then he tends to fuck it up. Yeah, he's just not. It's not pleasant to watch, to be honest with you. I mean, there is the advantage of this match. You can he can get a bit lost, and you've got creative geniuses in this match. Okan and NATO work so well because both of them are really creative with what they're trying to do. I, I cannot believe how much Aaron Hanare has improved in like two months with a new gimmick. Just like, because he's got freedom to do what he wants to do. He can that's... speak now. I he doesn't he... have to talk in like grunts. Well, no, but a lot of that, again, is down to you look at the early uh, ideas behind what that gimmick was, and it was very stereotypical of what uh, uh, it was kind of a modern take on what a Polynesian wrestler should look like. I don't want to say Wild Samoans, but how far off was it? Even oh, it felt Ill. like a, a love letter to that style of character. He even had gear that looked like Hercule, um, that looked like um, the Barbarian, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, he did a lot of moves, the Barbarian did, and you know, hail, Barbarian was great. But, um, you know, it, it was just just not good. Um, and therefore, all of that stuff he was doing was just... And it's hard to get over as the cookie-cutter babyface that you're trying to be when you're built like that. You know, it's just, it's just not easy, is it? It's like, he's a monster, but they've got him doing, like, smile and grip and grin stuff. Hey, let's I take do the love the fact that they've gone from... Um sort of Islander to 80s video game villain. Like, that, that is amazing. Like, of all the transformations to go from, it's it's quite radical, and I do quite enjoy it. As my good friend Simon Heath pointed out, that Masahiro Shono should be suing uh, for likeness rights with that outfit. But there you go. <laughs> Maybe Chono was part of the driving force behind it. It's a possibility. Chono is L.I.J. dad, though, isn't he? So, um, we'd have to see. Um, but, yeah. Chono currently without home. He's not wrestling. He's not managing for anyone, I don't think, at the moment. He's just having a rest. Um, but, yeah. Uh, this was... 
kind of cool. This match, really, other than that, it's nice to see NRA developing and expanding, like we said. Okan and Nato is going to be fun. I think that's really interesting because they're both creative wrestlers. Jeff Cobb solid, doing Cobby-like things in a Cobby way. <laughs> it's like all three of those guys have benefited from this because they can like expand their villainous creativity. They're yeah. just stuck with like I can't believe we're calling like the first sort of British IWGP heavyweight champion a dead weight, but that's kind of what he is. Yes. That's he's he's a drag on the ticket as far as we're concerned, really. Like some people will still swear him as like the greatest wrestler to ever grace the wrestling ring, but Oh, is he bollocks? It's like but... these days it's a fifty fifty split on whether people like him or not. Do I think he's capable of putting on good matches? Of course. He's he is gifted in the ring, but he's got no presence for selling our psychology. So Absolutely. it's just kind of like if you like your sort if you're in there with like a high impact, high spot guy, sure. Osprey is your man to go to, but like ever since he's tried to be a more story driven, heelish experience, it's like watching paint dry. Yeah, that's about where we're at really with it. Um but of course there's enough high octane uh, wrestling journalists in the world who will keep giving him fuel and fire to keep him Oh no, he's great because so and so said so. <sighs> Anywho, um uh, what, was, what was that phrase? I will, I, I will say that phrase now before I forget. Uh, Emily Pratt um, this week in her review of the, these particular shows. I'm trying to remember what she said. Um, oh, I've forgotten the phrase now. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she her review was pretty much summed up my feelings towards a lot of what we saw with, with, with Osprey, to be honest with you. Um, but anywho... Let's just move on to the next match, and I'll save that for for later. I think when I've actually found the tweet because it's um it's an interesting kind of take and uh, yeah, it, it, just the way way that this is kind of playing out for us at the minute. It's kind of odd. It's like you watch two hours of a show and then the last half just doesn't matter. You just stop caring at a certain point in the in the show, and it's strange. It's sad that it's come to that. It is, really. I think this is it. I mean, it's like, I got a, uh, in one sense, it's kind of made me more realistic about wrestling and what I like, in the sense of I, I got a cyber fight subscription this week. So, <laughs> hey, you've joined the winning team. Yeah, because it's like, well, partly because next week myself and Christy are going to look at a TGPW show, but it's also because I want to see something different. I'm I'm about done. I can't think of anything else, if you see what I mean, that's really making me want to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Other than I review it for this show, and I love this show, so I will keep watching it but to, to review it and hope it comes back to good stuff. I wish we'd done an FMW Day special. <laughs> <laughs> He's making a new promotion... Yes. Because of course he is. The Mad Bastard. I love this. It's like, oh, FMW Day, let's celebrate the past. Oh, oh, you thought this was in the past. FMWE yeah. is here now. And E stands for explosion. Yeah. And it's I... like, 
this is the most delightfully cheesy announcement I've come across in forever, and I cannot wait to see it succeed. I can't remember who said it this week, but they did say if if AEW's attempt at a double hell death exploding barbed wire wrestling match convinced Anita there was an audience for another FMW, they've done their job. <laughs> like, eh. Which they did. Um, the corner directly correlated like the sort of formation of this company to the reception that match got. And yeah. like this is this is incredible because if Onita manages to like make lightning strike twice and recreate like those middle years of FMW success, then we might just be looking at the like one of the best wrestling companies to come out in like recent years. You've kind of got the personnel to do it now. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he can bring the magic, but we'll see. There are Obviously. so many like freelancers you could work with to get things off the ground as well. Like the the Japanese market has like boomed for like wrestling and just independent promotions doing their own thing and cross promoting. And also that's kind of like where FMW fit into before. It was a bunch of wrestlers that couldn't find work anywhere else. Or were getting lost somewhere else, or didn't get the push somewhere else. Uh, the phrase that Emily came up with was the overarching bleakness of Will Ospreay's title reign. That that sounds that, that, that's that's incredibly accurate. <laughs> Emily remains one of my favourite New Japan pro wrestling writers anywhere in the world. Um, ah, where were we? So we should we should move on to the next one. Yeah, because this was actually quite a good match. Yes. It, I, it, I don't understand the guys at cage match. What were you talking about? <laughs> I mean, uh, people just don't like Tonga Loa in singles matches, which I suppose I could get behind on occasion, but when it's against like the wrestling genius that is Zack Sabre Jr., then nah, this is a high-ranking match for sure. We are looking at night one here, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I've got to pick the wrong page. That's the reason why. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. Tangaloa, fight at 15 minutes and 12 seconds. This was ace. I love this match. I absolutely love this match. And it's, I don't, yeah, I think you're right. Tangaloa isn't the best singles wrestler on earth, or else he probably would have been stuck in WWE in, after his NXT run, to be honest with you, and might have done more with his Impact Wrestling run. Um, if you know he hadn't like run into the problem that he was in a faction with Drew McIntyre and LA Knight, the <laughs> <laughs> somewhat outshone, bless his cotton socks, <laughs> and then he found his place in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I don't know if he's still under, if he's even under contract at the minute, he still might be on a nightly deal. He's been like six time tag team, he was already like a four time tag team champion, was still on a nightly deal, but I think because Hikaleo has been working in the States for them and He's been so consistent for them down the years. I think they must have rewarded him with a contract um, by now. And certainly this kind of, this kind of match was um, exactly what he kind of needed, really. Kind of gives him an elevation, I think. I like this match. I think we are probably sick of these two teams wrestling each other. <laughs> but I liked the way this match worked I, uh, Lower isn't supposed to be a singles wrestler He's supposed to be a tag team specialist But 
you know, Zack Sabre Jr. is supposed to be uh, a singles wrestler. And, of course, he should, he should win in this particular context. But, you know, the power of lower versus the science of Sabre Jr. is a perfect matchup. Why, why couldn't you tell stories with these two guys for a long time? And they did. And I really enjoyed it. What are your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I, I love this. This was just an entertaining Styles Clash match with two like premier shit talkers just throwing insults in on top of it. But I swear every time Zack Sabre Jr. opens a match with come on big boy, I just die laughing for like two minutes. Because <laughs> not only is it an innuendo just with all the sort of rumours about ZSJ, it just always gives me a chuckle. And just hearing, like, London sort of insults thrown in a New Japan ring that aren't being spewed by a dickhead is just always fun. Yes. Um, like, the, the day he called the entire Dragon Gate babyface roster a bunch of tossers. Um, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's just ace. And, of course, Lower is as well. Lower is an exceptional might worker. And I point you towards his work when... Firing squad were baby faces before the big heel turn. Um, and he, the G.O.D. had that match against Hangman and Cody. And Lower was, um, you know, absolutely supreme on the microphone that night. Ran rings around Cody. Um, yeah, I think Cody's, I think Cody. <laughs> I think Lower's just ace. And I think ZSJ is just ace. And Styles make fights. You got two people who work two completely different styles. It's going to be interesting just to see how they fit. And this fitted so well. It's this the classic story of the irresistible force and the immovable object. What more? It, it doesn't get any better than basic than this, does it? No, but it just worked so tremendously well. Yeah, and no else to be said about it. Really, it was. Great for what it was. I and it really didn't enjoyed. drag. It no. didn't drag. I could watch this all night. <laughs> I'm watching it again now. I'm going, oh, there's bits there I missed. This is really cool. I'm not saying Lower was having a run in the G1, though, given the amount of people they had missing last year, it might be a good idea if he had a run in the G1. Um, but equally, he's just great. And I think it's really cool and really enjoyed it. So, yeah, top notch work from both, both guys. Shall we move on? Because there's not else to say about this. Yeah, we're going on to the craziest match of the entire weekend. Yes, um, which would be after the intermission, we came back to the second ever official ladder match in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. There was one other uh, involving Kenny Omega and some other guy we we never... I can't... Anyway, um, and that was the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And there was one in Wrestleland uh, many years ago. Wrestleland was kind of an alternative promotion for New Japan when they were trying to find a direction. And they used Wrestleland as a kind of a sandbox. I think Hiroshi Tanahashi was in it. Um, <laughs> so that'll tell you how, about how long ago it was because he wouldn't attempt to light a match now. We ain't that daft. Um, so, yeah, so this was for the Iron Fingers of Iska, which of course has been traded back and forth between Tamatonga and Tai Chi, the two uh, wrestlers in the tag team feud, for quite some time. And 
it's become kind of this anti-traditionalist kind of anthem. Tango, Tama Tonga did say on his Twitter feed, he said the traditionalists are going to get angry, but I don't care. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> and while this isn't um, like arguably the most physically exciting or demanding ladder match I've ever seen, it kind of goes back to the roots of the ladder match. The idea is to win the match as efficiently as possible, and these two told a story of trying to win the match as efficiently as possible. And that's why I enjoyed this match. I thought it was one of the best ladder matches I've ever seen, just because the premise was winning a wrestling match, not having a bunch of spots, which is what happens with ladder matches. You know, people climb ladders to fall off them for no apparent reason a lot of the time. So that's my thoughts on this. What's your thoughts on this, John? This was the most gloriously overbooked clusterfuck of a match I have ever watched. I don't think it was overbooked. I know what you mean, but I don't think it was overbooked. I think it was booked just the right amount. I I love this, because I remember messaging you thinking, I'm going to hate this. And then all of a sudden, 27 minutes later, I'm like, that was incredible. It (laughs) It escalates so randomly at times and as you said it, it's entirely built around just winning the match it's not a spot fest like do people die yes rest in peace dorky but like <laughs> it's genuinely just entertaining to watch they have so many creative ways of just trying to cripple each other you've got Zack Sabre Jr. being the world's most supportive tag team partner out there you've got Tonga Loa trying to get revenge you've got Jado and Dorky just hitting each other with solid objects and then at the core of it you've got the right man winning because tai chi got his iron fingers back yeah that's it i'm just watching dookie um springboard drop kick tamatonga off the ladder (laughs) that's Um, another person who deserves like just awards for most improved since they first appeared like i've always been on the dorky train but now I'm kind of just like, yep, I bet on the right horse because he's awesome. He's a bit like um, Rey Mysterio, and this is people are going to like go go crazy when I when I mention Dookie and Rey Mysterio in the same sentence. When Dookie when Rey Dookie when Rey Mysterio first went to the WWE, um, JJ Dillon said to him after watching him, and then what telling him a couple of years later down the line, he said, "When I first saw you, you were a luchador." But now you're a wrestler. And I think that Dookie has done that. Dookie was a luchador. Now he's a much more complete New Japan style wrestler. He's found his pace, he's found his place. And he's interesting. You know, he's people want to watch him wrestle. And there is also the point here Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. and Dookie were baby faces. They weren't even trying to hide it this time. They were actually encouraging the crowd to support them. That's that's a big jump in the story. It's a big jump for Suzuki Gun. Also, watching Jado trying to crucify Tai Chi, which is probably a bit much. <laughs> um, also, what the hell was Jado wearing? Do we? Well, really... he didn't like the tank top. The tank top, I'm fine with. It's the pedal pushes. I'm slightly concerned he's dressing like a 12 year old girl from 1999, but. <laughs> I'm, I, anyway, but other than that, yeah, it, it just you actually got the, the sort of advice. It's like for most of this match, you're going to stand there and look pretty. So he did his best. 
I don't think Red Ones have accused Jado of looking pretty, but who am I to judge? Everyone's got someone. They do. And he's a happily married man, so we understand. Marty Asami going the full Nick and Lee, by the way. For those of you who don't know, Nick and Lee is the greatest referee in deathmatch history who is always there ready to hold a ladder still to make sure you don't fall off of it in the impromptu moment. And Marty Asami did actually hold ladders still for people, but he, could, he did it fairly. He held ladders still for Tam Tonga and for Tai Chi. So there was that. It's just an unexpectedly great match all round. Yeah. There was all sorts of stuff in this match just uh, that just made things work. ZSJ <laughs> pushing Tamatonga off the ladder, um, then picking up Jado for a, a cravat and a Ed, Ed Crank proper Jim Break style. This is the, that's what I love about ZSJ. His ability to channel heel moves from 1970s world of sports masters and apply it in a New Japan setting is just genius. Um, and then, yeah, but they were the baby faces. And at the end of the match, Tai Chi did re- retrieve finally the Iron Fingers and took them sumo style from Marty Asami. As in a bet match in sumo, you take it from the referee with a blessing. And he did the same in a squat from Marty Asami and then said, Well, that's it. He's over. The least you can do is play his theme music. They played his theme. And the story of the Iron Fingers is no more because now Suzuki Gunner baby faces and they don't need to cheat anymore, which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, just when you thought they couldn't get scary enough, now they're going to play by the rules and kill you. <laughs> we shall see how that plays out for them. But it does mean a tag team title match. That's, that'll be your Dangerous Techers versus your GOT. Although I believe ZSJ is now calling them vegan techers. I don't think he's got Tai Chi off meat. I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see if he has. Um, but yeah, um, vegan techers, as we said, dangerous techers, will challenge for the IWGP Tag Team Championships at some point in the future. And as ZSJ said, yeah, give it two weeks and you may never see us wrestle each other again. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, because I think we are actually absolutely sick of one another. Um, let us move on to the main event of the evening for the Never Openweight Championship. Jay White with Gato defeats the Roshi Tanahashi in 39 minutes and one seconds to upend the Never Openweight Champion, a guy who'd finally got comfortable within the division and was actually wearing the belts to the ring just in time to have his hopes crushed once again by Jay White. Um, this was an astounding professional wrestling match. I have some issues with it, and it's not to do with the quality of the match or the participants involved, both of whom were excellent. And I would argue this is one of the best matches I've seen this year. Um, my issues really come down to this. It's not an ever open weight championship match. It's just another title match now. And I kind of, as been said this week as well, I kind of miss when it was an 18-minute banger and you had two big guys eating each other really hard. And we're not going to get that anymore. And the Never Open Weight Championship is now not as unique as it once was. It's just another mid card title. I think this might have only been done like this because of the match that was coming the day after. Yeah. If it was on the same card, you'd get an 18 minute banger. However, 
essentially the never openweight championship has has taken the spot the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Championship had. Um, and while that's understandable, whilst the US Championship is somewhat uh, held up in uh, Florida, to be honest with you, which will get defended next week uh, against Yuji Nagata um, by John Moxley. So the second big championship in the company is now the Never Openweight Championship. And it's another casualty of the merger of the IC title and the, and the heavyweight title to form the world title. And I'm not convinced that's a positive move. But that's just a minor kind of issue in the greater scheme of things. This match was awesome. This match was great. And it advances the story between White and Tanahashi, which leaves options open for the future, which is what these two are great at doing. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this was the best match of the weekend, bar none. Like, it yeah. genuinely was just... 39 minutes is a lot of time to keep people interested, and I don't think I clicked away from this match once. Maybe to message you when that was it. Which <laughs> is a record for me with New Japan matches. Like, as much as I love them, and I can go the distance with, like, long matches, it's just... Sometimes you get to a spot where you're just like, oh, they're just doing this to stall for time, right? Dunk, let's look somewhere else. Check Twitter, message people, make sure everything's right in the world. Right, let's go back to the match because they picked things up again. In this, I didn't feel the need to do that. It was just a, it was a real balls to the wall kind of heavy hitting contest. It's like it did channel some of that never spirit because it was less about flash and more just about beating the hell out of each other and crippling the other. Like, was it overly long? Yes, probably for a never open weight championship match. But like as a main event, they probably felt the need they had to do that. Yes, I always think so. I think this is the this is again the trouble, isn't it? In the sense of. <sighs> You don't have matches that are shorter. There's no sense of um, relief anymore because all of the matches now go 40 minutes. <laughs> Unless you're El Desperado and you only get a 20-minute title match. Yeah, which is, that's that's the thing. I mean, that was the thing Kenny complained about when he was junior heavyweight champion as he was sick of wrestling semi-main events for 18 minutes. He wanted room to tell a story, which is fine. But now we've kind of got to the point where I want something shorter because this realism that, that New Japan's built on, all championship matches can't go 45 minutes. Some of them have to be short. Some of them have to be long. We need some variation in, in timing here, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like they saw they had success with going longer with main events with Omega and Okada and have never let go of that idea since, but People weren't hooked on it for the match length. They were hooked on it because it was Omega and Okada. Yeah, they would. They were going to make money with them too if they had a mud fight in a telephone box that lasted four minutes. So it, it, it's the characters and the draw. That's what makes the money. It isn't the wrestlers necessarily. So we'll see. How are we feeling about Tamatonga's beard, by the way? Just thought I'd answer that question. I just. I just brought in here in the minute because I just saw Tamatonga growing his beard back. Are we are we pro-beard or anti-beard? Oh, I'm 100% pro-beard. Tamatonga looks weird without beard. Like, he, he needs beard. He does look about 17 years old without the beard. Um, but yeah, again, it, and it, it's Jay White versus Tanahashi, which is fast becoming 
like the feud in the same way Okada Tanahashi was a couple of years ago. And then NATO versus Tanahashi was. Obviously, common denominator of greatness there would be Hiroshi Tanahashi. He was just so good at being so good. Um, and it kind of does set the Never Openweight Championship on off in a different direction from where it has been in the past. I suppose you could argue that, but it's still not where I want it to be. I still I want it to be like, Sorry? I feel like we're going to see it come full circle because who's the other person that White was spending a lot of time feuding with? Uh, Ishii, I suppose, but the next two... Um... The next two challenges are already set, which is Taguchi and Dave Finley. Taguchi? Taguchi. How the hell did that happen? What did I miss? I think this is a Bret Hart El Dandy moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think uh, I think Jay wants to Jay wants to prove that he can wrestle against anybody as never open weight champion and as it's open to junior heavyweights, he picked a junior heavyweight he knew he could beat. Um, and then he wants to bury Dave Finley because Dave Finley cost him the New Japan Cup by pinning him cleanly, and that irks uh, Jay White. But as Dave Finley said, this will never be over, Jay. It will never be over. And they are lifelong enemies, so that'll be intriguing to watch as well. So basically, we're going to see Dave Finley with an ever open weight championship in a couple of months. I would absolutely love that. I think that'll be ace. I think it would be. I think that's where the Never Open Weight Championship needs to be around his waist, building somebody else into a main event star. And I think Dave Finley now has the tools to be the main event star. Um, but he needs some he needs some seriousness about him. That's basically it. Finn Juice has been great to show he can be serious, and they've seriously taken tag team wrestling really strongly over the last 18 months or so, really. So now it's time to push that into single stuff. You know, Finn's had his runs with the US Championship. That's what made him a great singles wrestler and is a single threat. And people, even though you know Finn's probably, sorry, Juice is probably going to lose, but he is, you wouldn't surprised if he beat somebody for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's where they need Dave Finley to be at. You know, it won't, you know, it, no one thought he would beat Jay White in the New Japan Cup. Now everyone knows he could beat anyone because he's beaten Jay White in the New Japan Cup. So all of a sudden that makes him a viable contender all year round, which is the kind of place where you need Finley to be, to be a serious upper mid-carder. And I think he's got, the, he's got everything to do it now. And they've been kind of slow burning him. He took all the pinfall victories in the last two World Tag Leagues for Finn Juice, including a final win and an IWGP title win. He was the one that's got the pins, not for, not Juice. So it's intriguing to me how they, they, they're getting, getting him over. And I think it's going to be good for him. But I think that's probably the long-term pattern. Now, and, and we'll see what happens. But I think, yeah, you're right. It could come back to a much, much slower, more deliberate, shorter, snappier pace with those two. Also, just watch Jay nearly brain himself because he forgot where the ropes were when he was selling his knee. <laughs> One thing I'll say about your um, like open wear issues is Hiroki Goto never did snappy matches. No, it, it's impossible for him to be snappy. But, you know... Like he died at the start of Wrestle Kingdom 12? 
when Suzuki, it was the hair versus title match, and Suzuki just choked him to death on the ramp. And then Goto was selling death for the next 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden he got a comeback and then won. And Suzuki shaved his own head. Yeah, but also, uh, Ishii, um, Shibata, uh, Togi Makabe, those guys. <laughs> These are what I'm really thinking of. The traditional... I mean, Shibata versus Goto wasn't exactly a sharp match either. Well, no, but there's a bunch of stuff. They were at high school together. There's all, there's all sorts of things you can tell about them too. It'd take you a week to just to introduce that match. But, yeah, yeah. The, what, the matches weren't overly long, though, were they? They were slow-paced, but they weren't overly long. It's, saying. It's, it's, it's kind of the TV title match, that's where I'm saying. You still kind of need that mid-card title that looks like a mid-card title, and this doesn't. It looks like a second world championship, which is how they booked the Intercontinental Championship, and I don't think they need that. I think they need something different. That's what made the Never Open Weight Championship intriguing. I imagine this is just going to be for the interim whilst they use it for like some long-term storytelling. Because <laughs> ever since White's debut, he's basically just been continuously getting revenge against Tanahashi and spoiling all his title runs. That's pretty much it, really. As soon as... It, it, it's the story that's as old as time. He has Tanahashi's number. And that's that's how you tell that story. And he holds one hell of a grudge, considering we're going on three years since their first match together. Or maybe longer at this point. I've lost the passage of time. <laughs> Should we go on to night two? Yes, where we have thankfully five matches to talk about. Yeah, because a bunch of people came down with COVID and therefore couldn't wrestle, as we talked about earlier. Uh, yes, 2000- somehow the show managed to still be nearly three hours long. Oh, it I it wasn't three hours long for me because I skipped intros, but that's that what meant, I did as well. But it still took a while. <laughs> it still felt like a long, long time. Um, where are we? So Doki, Zach Saber Jr. and Tai Chi defeated Jado, Tangaloa, and Tamatonga in ten minutes straight. Um, I w- I wasn't going to mention that yet. <laughs> I was just talking about the, 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 the actual attendance. 2,221 on night one at Fukuoka, and then 2,367 on night two at Fukuoka. So, yeah, let's go to the main match. So, as you said, Duki Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jado Tamatonga and Tangaloa. Ace holdover from the night before. Um, and, obviously, that win with those six wrestlers puts them firmly in the frame for another IWGP Tag Team Championship slot. Um, they are G.O.D.'s greatest enemies and their longest-term rivals. Do you think they take the gold this time, or do G.O.D. kind of like cement themselves as the greatest tag team of all time in New Japan history? I think they're going to... Um, I think G.O.D. will hold on, and like the vegan techers will go on this journey of self-discovery, come back, be villainous again, and... Then take the gold. I think it's a possibility, but I think by the time we get to that point, you could have Finn Juice back in the country, which would be the obvious thing because, you know, Finn Juice are the third ranked team. If they put away dangerous techers, um, they're the next challenges in line. They're the current Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. If they keep that belt, those belts for any longer, they don't seem to be losing them. I obviously, I really thought they would drop them back to 
Gallows and Anderson at first crack and they didn't. So that's intriguing to me. If that means, A, that the New Japan deal is a serious long-term deal they're actually putting some time and investment into, uh, which has been echoed by Albert, um, El Fantasmo going to Impact Wrestling this week. Um, but and making his debut for, for Impact, uh, which means I don't have to watch him in New Japan, so I'm quite happy about that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think kind of, I'm kind of erring towards the idea of uh, Tekka's not getting the titles this time, especially they've won so much lately. G.O.D. need to get some heat back. I think people just want something different as well. Like, there are other tag teams in the division that could be doing things. I mean, yeah, and they, there was a lot of strong showings at World Tag League. I think the obvious people, other than the ones we've just talked about, would also be um, uh, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto, as we just talked about as well. Um, so I think they, they, would, they would make for an interesting uh, showing as well, because you've got lots of stories you could tell there, especially the fact that Tangaloa hates Yoshihashi. <laughs> so there's a lot of things going on there. You know, there's, there's stories you could have there, but I still think G.O.D. is still the long-term championship bet. Because I don't see them be anyone being any better than them in the long-term storytelling run of things. But I understand what you're saying about something different would be cool. That's just why I don't see Tekkers winning because nobody wants another Tekkers reign just yet after we've come off a pretty long one. Yeah, um, it seemed longer than you actually thought. Um, but there we go. Shall we move on to the next match? Yeah, let's go. Hiroyoshi Denzan and Master Wato lost to Itaiji Ishimori and Yujiro Takahashi in 10 minutes and 24 seconds, which was fairly predictable. <laughs> Master Wato took the bloody cross. Ha ha. Yes. Um, and that was that. And then Ishimori has been running promos all week about Wato needs to sort himself out. <laughs> Basically. That doesn't sound like a particularly heelish thing to do. That just sounds like good life advice for someone. What is yeah. really crisis? Like what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sort yourself out, like mate. Look what you're doing. I've yeah. been saying that for like six months since he first appeared. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's um. Well, even Kelly and Kelly have said like I, I, this week. I completely agree with with what Tajishin were saying. I mean, they've said the rude bits, but generally speaking, yeah, just sort yourself out, mate. What we think. Where are you playing at? What's going on? You're having troubles at home, son. <laughs> it's just a phase. <laughs> ah, dear. Right, yeah. So, the, I mean, Yujiro was Yujiro. Hiroshi Tenzan, Tenzan was Hiroshi Tenzan. Wato mysteriously didn't mess anything up for two matches in a row. Oh, no, like he, he was pretty sharp the entire tour from what I've read and from what I've seen. So I think I think our days of saying he's a bit sloppier are out the window. He seems to have tightened up and got himself sorted out. So he's no longer a Power Ranger, and he's no longer a mess. So cool, I can just go back to ignoring him now. He's pretty. I mean, he's leaned out as well, which is interesting. He's not as thick set as he used to be. He's got more weight up on his shoulders and stuff. And he seems he seems to have leaned out a little bit, which is intriguing, unless he's off, as if he's off for speed. Um, but yeah, okay, we'll move on to the next match, which involved 
the United Empire versus LIJ, 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Aaron Henry, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb defeated Bushi, Sonada, and Tetsu Yuneto in a bit of a corker. They got the win back from the night before. Um, NATO started wearing the suit to everything now. <laughs> and he just kind of stands there and stares down Okan at the beginning of this show, holding Okan's pose until the rest of LIJ come out. And it's like the best thing in the world. I could watch NATO just stand there and smirk for hours. <laughs> like my, this match was where like the better version of the one we got yesterday. But my favorite moment is after the match, when NATO is just outside of the ring, looking up as them, or Khan mocks the sort of the stare, and then NATO gets up and he's just pulling Okan's paws outside. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's just like, oh, oh, you want to play that game, do you? Well, guess yeah. what? Your pose is a lot easier to mimic than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such, like, it's such a great, like, feud. It is. It's just because they're creative. Both of them are. They both know what they're doing. Um, Sonata's cat t-shirt intrigues me. Don't know what that's about. Um... Yeah. We want to talk about wrestlers going through a crisis. <laughs> or Sonata. has been going through for one, like, for a full year now, hasn't he? It's a bit like the Kanemaru issue. He's a main event threat when you need him to be. But what do you do with him until then? I mean, there's a tag team championship run for you. They did that before. You could run Sonata and Shingo against... G.O.D. or the Techers, and it'd be really interesting and cool to watch. I'd rather watch him wrestle G.O.D. because I think the dynamic would be better. Um, or Sonada and Nato, who apparently has nothing to do but wrestle Great Okan. Um, so yeah, I could, I could, I could go with that. I could see that as a as a thing. Um, and Bushy's got now to do either. They need to kind of need another junior heavyweight in LIJ just so he can have a go at the tag team championships because Shingo's heavyweight now. And Harami is injured. Yeah, so, you know, Bushy can't go at the tag team titles. NATO while trying to undo his belt is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just watching that now, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's just it's like taking 10 minutes to take his belt off is just great. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, LIJ versus. Um, United Empire, who'd have thought it? That's kind it's, of the future you want to see. And it plays out so much better when Osprey isn't there ruining it. Yeah, that's it. Makes it all more interesting. And you also don't get those strong white supremacy vibes from when Osprey's there either. So it, it makes it seem like you know they actually want to be there rather than just a bunch of mercenaries that are doing his bidding. Um, which I don't like at all. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. Um, it's slightly unfair in this match that Jeff Cobb got paired off with Bushi. I mean, you know, Sonada, Sonada and Enray, that's a fair fight. Nato and Okan, that's a fair fight. But Bushi and Jeff Cobb, really, that's pushing a pill, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Cobb was in Lucha Underground. He's used to working with guys that are probably smaller than him. Well, you know, it's... um. It's the makes of an interesting dynamic with this match anyway. Um, and that's kind of that, really. It was actually probably actually the best match on the card. 
I don't know. Uh, this this next match gave me a lot a lot of laughs. Oh yeah, it was it was ace for entirely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay, so you had the now former uh, Never Openweight Champion Hiroshi Tanahashi tagging with Raisuki Kitakuchi, Taro Yano, and they defeated Dick Togo, Evil, and Jay White with Ghetto in 12 minutes and 14 seconds. This was intriguing, to say the least, because obviously Taguchi and Yano were there to play it for laughs, and Jay White will happily go along to play it with laughs until he needs to be serious. Um, and Dick Togo and Evil were kind of along for the ride in this matchup, and it all kind of centered further on the story of Yano and Evil, who must be sick of wrestling each other. Um, really. Um, and this time it came back down to the hood. And as uh, several people have pointed out, Evil has not had a pinfall victory over anyone since last year in a singles match outside of the New Japan Cup, which is worrying. Yeah, the that uh, double champion uh, rope lasted such a long time, didn't it? Yeah, it's um, yeah. It's almost like this whole exercise was pointless. I kind of think it was. They were stuck for something to do, and I think that all that stuff with the double championship would have happened with Jay White if it had been available, but he wasn't because he was stuck in New Zealand or Florida, <laughs> depending on where he was at the time. Um, yeah, that's it. Like New Japan pay the people that much money they can afford to have a home in Florida and in New Zealand. <laughs> so, I mean, Jay White is like the greatest asset a company could have. He is basically gouging Okada at this point in just how malleable he is to any type of match. Yeah. And we think Okada's somewhere on around about four million. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, these guys really did a cracking job. Taguchi has been taking heel lessons from Yano, clearly. <laughs> No, Yano, uh, um, sorry, Taguchi had my favourite moment in this match where he tried to mimic everything is evil and just gets planted on his heart. When evil's just like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Uh, I've got the the other key Taguchi moment where he tries to grab Dick Kotogo's hair, but Dick hasn't got any hair and he oh. hasn't got a beard. And they're all doing the hair pull spot. So Taguchi goes with a butt butt towards Dick Togo and that's that. <laughs> they all fall down. It's just it was... every comedy spot ever. This was just such an easygoing match. It's like they knew what was coming and they knew how people were going to to react. So they're just kind of like, right, let's make sure people are going into this, this main event with a sense of fun and, and joy before 45 minutes of Shingo in a versus the Soul Crusher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this doesn't really get us anywhere. Evil's still feuding with Yano. Tanahashi has still proved his metal against White and could arguably go for a rematch, though. Do we really need another one? I'm not sure. I don't think Tanahashi's knees need another one. I don't think Tanahashi's knees are anywhere near as bad. I know they are not great, but I think the kayfabe knee issue isn't, is making us worse because he's that good at selling we actually believe in. I suppose. I just don't want another one yet. They need to be every few months, not like every every show now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I can understand that. We're going to uh, have to tackle this one now, aren't we? God, do we have to? 
Yeah, Jay White wrestled um, Shingo Takagi uh, in the main event of Pro Wrestling Dontaku at the Fukuoka Coliseum and Convention Center, and Will Ospreay won. Thanks for listening to the Troopany Show, and we'll speak to you next week. Okay, we will talk about it. God, this is boring. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. Like it, no, I mean, there was content that was good, um, but it went on for so long. It's Just, like Shingo worked his ass off in there. Yeah, like, and there was moments of genius. That the table spot was exceptional, and just Shingo wrestling as the babyface on top all the time. The Osprey was having to counter against was intriguing because you don't normally see Shingo in that kind of position. That was okay, but the problem is again. It became an Osprey match. It is yeah. literally just a countdown to when is Osprey going to hit his big moves. It's it's like Osprey went to the school of John Cena without the showmanship. It's just like you've got your five moves of doom that you'll pull out match after match after match and then you'll win or then you'll lose in some slightly credible way. And it's like Shingo destroyed him. For so much of this match, they kind of casually forgot about the fact Osprey had worked the arm, but again, it's Shingo, so I'm willing to let that be brushed aside. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, I I looked away for a second and Osprey had won. I was like, what? Yeah, that's the... And the issue I have, we talked about this before, the issue I have it with it is Osprey is supposed to be this unstoppable force. Uh, that ploughed his way through the New Japan Cup and upended Dirk Harder and got all the things on his side. But it takes him 45 minutes to get rid of a ageing mid-card veteran. Now, I know Shingo's great, don't get me wrong, and I love Shingo Takagi, but the way he's been presented in this company for the last years is a guy who can have the great match but doesn't always win the big one. And, you know, that's not enough to go 45 minutes with the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, in my opinion. It shouldn't take him that long to get rid of him. Realistically. I think this match should have been 10 minutes shorter for that reason alone. And probably 20 minutes shorter to actually tighten up all the stuff that went on it. 45 minutes was a friggin' char with this one. Yeah. It's just too long. Absolutely too long. And then Osprey starts talking like he's just put on the most dominant victory of his life after it, and it's like, no. No, no, no. no. You you got beaten to a pulp for 40 of those minutes. Yes. If you'd wrapped it up with a Stormbringer in 15 minutes, I'd give you that. That's fair enough. And that really is what should have happened to successfully sell this story to us. But it didn't happen. How Uh, is it the same length? near enough, as the main event of Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. How, under any circumstances, was that agreed on? And also, well, I'm wondering if someone's ego is taking a battering because he's having to do shorter matches and everyone else gets to do the 45 minutes, so why can't I? Or is it, well, we do 45-minute matches now, that's what we do. It's like, because there's no justification for this going that long like Abushi and White had a massive story to tell and the means to tell it this was just about 30 minutes of Shingo Takagi doing Shingo Takagi and 14 minutes 
of Osprey doing Osprey. And don't get me wrong, these two put on amazing matches, but for forty five minutes near enough, no thanks. Yeah. Like I'm but... not gonna I'm not gonna shit on either man's ability. They they did try to make it entertaining, but it wasn't. Yeah, and it, it, it's like a bit like Ben Swindler said a couple of weeks ago when he was a guest on the show and he was talking about we were talking about Lucha, but Ben talked about wrestling in general because he was like trying. He's, uh, Ben's currently on a mission to try and find different stuff in wrestling to watch that's that's appealing to him because he's kind of sick of watching the same old thing. Ben used to be in the position you were in for WrestleTalk TV. He had to watch everything all week long, all the wrestling there was because that was his job. And he got to the point where he wasn't as interested as he used to be. He just got burnt out on it. And he got to the point where there is the formulaic WWE show. And he said, and I, and I think he's absolutely right, that WWE do their thing the way that WWE do. And occasionally, they'll do a New Japan-style show where the last four matches build in intensity until the big blow-off match. And that's the way, you know, to break the monotony, they do something different. But a lot of the times, they'll, they'll, they'll do the same layout and they'll always have the same layout. There's the coffee break match. There's the you know the the match the, to to whet your appetite for the main event. There's all that stuff, but it's always a formula, and therefore they need to vary things more often. And I'd like to WWE to do shows like New Japan, but equally I'd like New Japan to do shows like WWE, where there's some pointless fluff to set you up for the main event. And I think that's really what we're at with this. You know what I mean? It's. Um, they could have wrapped this show up in two hours. Yeah. Um, it's This has become the expectation, and it shouldn't be. You know, we sh- not everyone should get to go 45 minutes with a champion. Some people are going to have to lose in 15, because that's the way it is. You know, and maybe Shingo isn't the guy. Maybe Shingo could keep the champion honest for 45 minutes, but that's not the way he's been portrayed, I don't think. I think he's Ingo been... should have been 25 minutes to 30 minutes because yeah. he's a credible threat, but he's not a bushy white level threat. No. And you've got the big match with Okada, which should definitely have been 45 minutes because there's a big story to tell there. But there's no that's... story to this one. It's just, oh, we fought in the past. Yeah. Like... And it's like, eh, two months ago, we've seen it once already. And it was, it was pretty good back then. Um, but yeah. So you know, I'm wrong. I think a lot of this does just come down to the fact we don't like who's champion. But even bad champions can put on compelling matches. This wasn't compelling. It was monotonous. Yeah, it was. It was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, in my opinion. And there's also the point as well of it doesn't. It makes like the oppression even worse like there's nothing wrong with an oppressive championship in fact if you look at the majority of pro wrestling companies in the world they don't come to see the baby face when they come to see the heel getting beat that's the point that's how wrestling works you know in some companies wwe has always kind of favored the baby face champion and you watch this parade of heels come and try and knock him off Whereas the majority of wrestling companies in the world, the heel champion means you have the babyface chase, which is where the real money is. And that's fine. It's something you can make money of that way. It's something you can do that way. 
I'm just watching Tanahashi struggling to try and put this hood on Dick Togo. That's hilarious. Um, that was a joke. That was a funny moment. Yes, um, but you can't. The the oppression is okay, but this is just too much of it. It's just too laying things on far too thick. If you see what I mean. We don't need this in his first defense. No, we need you need you need to establish him as heavyweight champion. You know he's got to have that. That's the way it should be. And as I said, then he, the the post match promo just sort of made it seem all the more almost paradoxical because it's just like he's talking about, oh well, you got the price of. You got your money's worth of the ticket price just seeing me. And it's like, yeah, but nobody wanted to see you for 45 minutes. <laughs> Barely <laughs> anyone wants to see you anyway. But, I yeah. sort of posed the question, if if that other match hadn't been cancelled, would this have gone half as long? Yes, this is this was something we talked about. Desperado, obviously, uh, Desperado and Yo, who were supposed to wrestle on this particular show, could not and were sent home to self-isolate. Would this championship match last it as long? Probably not. But you've got all of the IWGP never openweight tag team champions sat there doing notes. <laughs> you could have put an impromptu title match on, or you could have pulled G.O.D. versus Dangerous Deckers together earlier, couldn't you? Made that a title match and swap swap things around, put some young boys on to open the match. And there's ways and means of doing it. And they just didn't. It's, this didn't need to be 45 minutes. No, absolutely not. Um, but we'll see. And I feel so terrible because Shingo got a massive main event match and Shingo worked his ass off. And my God, I love Shingo Takagi, but it's who he's against and the type of match it turned into and just the complete sort of joke of an ending it had. Yeah, it's... It seemed to go on too long and was just... You talked about the, the the ladder match being an overbooked mess. No, I think that was booked the right amount. This was an overbooked mess. <laughs> really. In the sense of like the length of time and when it went. But there you go. Those are the things that we're probably going to be talking about for a while. And we may not get a New Japan show match for a while, or certainly one in front of an audience. So... I guess we'll have to see. But there's so much more compelling stuff going on in the company. You know, there's plenty of fun stuff down the card that I'd rather watch. <laughs> uh, if you turned around and said, oh yeah, we're just going to skip the main event, then I'd, I'd have been like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, that's the thing. No one's really that interested. I mean, there are people online who are going out of their way to sell a Osprey's champion, which is fine. If you're into that kind of thing, he's still a rape apologist, by the way, and he's still a misogynist. And he still has a white supremacy gimmick. Um, but, um, you know, that that's fine if that's what they want to do. And yes, he is a talented wrestler. No, he is not the all the things God sent. And he still sells like a 12-year-old. Can't help that. He needs to fix it. He's oh, not he... championship material yet in my eyes. But there you go. There was one thing that rather annoyed me, and mm -hmm. it wouldn't normally annoy me. It was on the eight-man tag match. Yeah. And Osprey, I think, was it Cobb had someone drag it out on the ropes, and Osprey did a springboard double stomp. 
and you could just see him so blatantly slap the thigh. And now I don't care about thigh slapping. I'm used to it. It's kind of, it's, but to do it so blatantly on a move that doesn't require it, that was kind of what annoyed me there. Because I'm like, you're stomping on someone. We don't need a sound effect for it. Just the visual alone is murderous enough. (laughs) But, But to see him sort of leap off the road, and then just like slap both thighs like blatantly into the hard cam. It's just kind of like, why did you feel the need to do that? Yeah, it's um. Well, yeah, it, I I do know that you know he he is a strong believer in fly in thigh slapping because B Priestley once told me when I interviewed her that she'd started slapping slapping her thigh on kicks. <laughs> To make it uh, just to improve the like um, sound quality and try and bring attention to things. Um, but yeah, um, well, oh, you still... have, what, a double stomp. No. Does a double stomp need to sound? No, because like... you're kicking somebody in the stomach by landing on them full fair, full sweet. But there you go. And it's just like we get to the point of. This is the point where me and Chris, we should just in, we should just do the main events first from now on. Maybe that's what we do with the Troopany Show and New Japan reviews from now on. We'll do them in reverse order. We'll start with the main event and go to the opener, <laughs> just to get it out of the way. So we always open, we always finish on a happy place. Yes, I, I feel like even if the start, like the the truth about Osprey hadn't come out, I'd still not have enjoyed this match. I'd still oh, not I'd... have enjoyed this title run. No, I don't think so either. I think he's... I don't think he's polished enough yet to make it work the way they want it to. I think they've booked themselves into a bad place with this. The I don't think they expected as much backlash as they got from merging the championships. I don't think Kotobushi was the right guy to do it with. Because, as we said before, hey, DDT boy gets to choose who's a champion now. I don't think it did them any good. Um in the long run, and then uh, putting, I mean, that's the Japanese home audience. I don't think the Japanese home audience cares about Osprey's past at all. He garnered 100 more friends than Tanahashi and White did. Okay, so he's a draw. That's fine. That's the reason why the company are willing to take a, a, a risk on him. But it has lost an awful lot of goodwill with the international audience, especially the English-speaking audience. And it's it's small things like that that really hurt you, you know. That's that's what makes people disappointed in a product that you're not it's being. The with. annoying thing that I've kept saying is, you're not really a fan. You're a number. Yeah. You're, you're a ticket price. You're a subscription yeah. cost. Like if you expect the company to be a friend, you're kind of barking up the wrong tree when it comes to someone as gigantic as New Japan. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's not what they're there for. They don't care what you think unless it's severely going to hurt their bottom line. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt them enough to make it worthwhile, but it means they'll they'll ship negative press for a good year whilst this happens. And that will take a long lot of getting rid of. But that's what that's what causes people problems. Look what happened with progress. Progress wrestling is nowhere near the same level as it was pre-COVID lockdown. Um, But it was already kind of on its way downhill at that particular point because it's lost most of its staff and personnel to the WWE. 
And even though it's got WWE Network present and and it has WWE money, it's not going to be in the right place because they keep making the same mistakes. They keep booking the wrong people to do the wrong jobs and hoping it will go away. But Progress has a small enough company where the fans actually do matter with how they respond towards things. Um, I know where... that much companies that will try to keep people happy. If something goes wrong, they will stop doing it. But like... I don't get the sort of rabid mentality at the moment of people desperately trying to defend a champion that half the fan base doesn't care about, and then another 25% of that don't care for even more reasons. It's, it's just, it seems so inane to me, and I will continuously bring up the Sonic the Hedgehog fandom. Hmm. Just because you've invested time and money into something doesn't mean you have to defend it to death. At that point, you're not a fan, you're an apologist. Exactly, that's it. You know, it's like, I was really disappointed this week. I'm a big fan of Motor Trend, the American company that does uh, a lot of TV shows and uh, used to make magazines. They they only make one now. (laughs) That's print media for you, going down the hill. That's it. They they kind of got wrestling. Because they they merged, quote-unquote, with Discovery. And as a British customer of Motor Trend, I, for the last two years, have been paying my $5.99 a month to get Motor Trend. And I love it. And I sit and watch it on the bus every day. I watch shows every day. Literally, it's the best subscription thing I've ever done. It's not to do with wrestling. It's just I love this. the shows that they put on are great. Get an email this week saying that Motor Trend On Demand is no longer available outside the US and Canada. And all accounts will be closed in August. <laughs> oh. So it's like, huh? Now it took some working out, but essentially they want the European and other worldwide fans to go to Discovery Plus, which doesn't, which does have the same shows, but not full sets of seasons of them, and isn't doing the latest stuff. So while it is cheaper, it does mean I actually don't get what I want, and I have a bunch of other content I have no interest in. So it's like, what? Why are you doing that? And then I also discover you can also get a Motor Trend deal on Amazon, which means I can actually watch the current content once this, once my app has stopped working. So at least I can keep up with what I actually like watching, which is cool. Um, but yeah, this is. But again, it's like I'm not going to apologize for them. They've made clearly made a massive error and underestimated their international audience because people don't like them anymore. Because it's and it's intriguing as well. In the sense of this is this is how the streaming world's going to work from now on. You're already getting microcosms of it. The big shows that they had specifically was one show called Roadkill. If you're a YouTube fan, you've probably heard of Roadkill. It was one of the biggest car shows on YouTube for a long time. Um, and off of that, they started uh, Hot Rod Garage, which was based out of a Hot Rod magazine garage in in California, in LA. Um, uh, they also did Dirt Every Day, and then Roadkill Garage, and then junkyard gold and all of these shows that came out of the road what they call the roadkill universe and they all work together and are all guests on each other's shows and it, it's a cool little online universe of basically magazine writers and editors making tv shows that they want to make because someone's given them twenty thousand dollars to make a tv show it's not particularly you know it's it's not particularly high quality produced they don't put massive amounts of money into each show they do things like hey, let's go buy a 1960s convertible in Phoenix and drive it home to LA. 
And it's just fun shows like that. And I loved it because it wasn't TV. It was the kind of TV you'd make if you had a budget and a GoPro. Do you see what I mean? (laughs) And I loved it for that. And then after two years of watching it on YouTube, all of a sudden Motor Trend realized that they've got this golden goose. So we'd best put it on a pay network. And they put it on Motor Trend On Demand, but a month later you would get the shows. So you get like... um, Horror Garage would go out in January and the January show would go out in February on YouTube, which was fine. And then eventually they just put everything on Motor Trend On Demand. And I held on for about two months and then just got Motor Trend On Demand. And I watched everything on it. I literally watched every show worth watching on that channel. And now, because Discovery own the rights to everything, they don't want Europeans watching it anymore. So they shut everything down because they want to watch them on the Discovery app, which nobody wants. <laughs> Which means that eventually everyone who pirates them on YouTube, will, people will just watch them there. So why cut off your nose to spite your face? I think that's what we've been saying about New Japan for like the past year. Yeah. And like, you can only use the pandemic for an excuse for so long because they've got their gaijin performers back now. Yeah, I could understand... A lot of the things that they did were booking themselves out of a corner, which was actually quite successful. I mean, the six-man tag team tournament last summer was one of the best things they did all year. The G1 was great. They did a lot of very cool stuff. The World Tag League was awesome, and Best of Super Juniors was awesome. However, now you've got all of that out of the way, there was sort of, me and Neenam added up, and I think there was something like nine tournaments or something in the space of like 12 months. In New Japan, between New Japan Strong and the regular New Japan shows. So, you know, there's only so much you can do. Now, you, now you're kind of just like, well, what are you doing? You're not building a Japanese audience with it. You're just uh, uh, antagonizing your foreign audience. And we are a portion of your foreign audience, at least, anyway. And it what? It drew a hundred extra fans. Yeah. That, really? Is that really worth it? I don't know what it does on the, the subscription rates. I'm not sure it improves things because I think the people that would already be subscribing anyway. There's quite a few people who have cancelled the subscriptions. I'm not sure he picks up new ones. I mean, mine's only still active because we talk about it here. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of other stuff that's keeping me interested, but what can you do? It's been a bit depressing, really. But there you go. Anywho! <laughs> on that bitter disappointment. Yes. Oh. Uh, we'll we'll see you next week when me and Christy will be talking about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, which is both wholesome and fun with non-problematic people having wrestling matches that are very good. There you go. Because I watched it and we were going to record it on Tuesday, so I'll actually have a weekend off this weekend, which I need, which will be cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're going to record on Tuesday, so we'll speak to you next week. I'd like to thank my guest for today, Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me on as always. It's a shame we have to go down such a depressing rabbit hole. Well, we'll watch some cyber fight and catch up and do something different soon, I'm sure. Um, thank you very much for listening to us today. John, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is kind of like the gateway to hell to find all things related to the literary king of the death match. Yours truly, where I'm giving my opinion on games, shows... And you'll find all the writings and interviews with more cool stuff coming soon. 
You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find us on the Troopany Show, sorry, Troopany Show on Twitter and the Troopany Show on Facebook and on Patreon, where you keep the Troopany Show forever free, forever for everyone. There will be some exclusive Patreon content coming later in the year. Uh, shout out to the Wrestling Rewind this week who did Spring Stampede 1999 for their classic review. That would be intriguing. A shout out to our friends at the Random Wrestling Review podcast as well. Obviously, Ben's show. This week, they're looking at Slamboree 2000. So if you like your Vint Russo booked WCW, and that's about three of you, um, <laughs> you can listen to those two shows and party like it was indeed 1999 slash 2000. Ric Flair wrestling in a shirt. Thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>